You're listening to the Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Check us and our new friends out at greenlitpodcast.com. Greetings! Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of the Spirit Hunters. This is Hannah, Joe, Patrick, and Sarah. Last time we got a crash course in assassin culture and debated the mechanics and logistics of heavy-ass doors. Today we enter a nightmare world of abuse, codependency, and wholesome fatherhood? Sounds like you my childhood in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're going to start with episode 23, The Guard's Duty, aka Booty, according to these notes. Uh, the Japanese title is Banin no Sekinin. Uh, it was originally released in Japan on March 18th, 2012, and aired on Toonami in the U.S. October 8th, 2016. The equivalent manga chapters are 40 and 41, which were released in Japan on February 22nd, 1999, and the equivalent 19... Oh, that's my birthday, actually. Wow, okay, let me Happy tell you a social security number. Happy birthday Joe's... Happy birthday to Joe's... Um, the equivalent 1999 episodes uh, are 33 and 34, which were released in Japan on July 1st, 2000, uh, which, according to the notes, were a shit year, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> okay. shit year. I was in a, wasn't a big fan of 2000. It kind of sucked. Aww. Nice. Lots of famine. <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's get right into the notes. So... We start off with Zebro letting the gang stay in the servants' quarters for the night. It's how nice of him. I mean, you know, after having him lift this giant door, I guess, you know, got to have somewhere to stay. Uh, and then uh, Mr. Sequant, I guess we introduce him, Mr. Sequant Man, just smows up, just shows up smoking and joking, you know, hanging out, talking to the people, and having a nice talk over tea. And basically just tells him to give up. You know, great discussion. But, uh, you know, Gon's having none of that, and he wants to see his best friend. He wants to hang out and play on a skateboard and, I don't know, what kids and that are assassins and fatherless do. But anyways, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Zephyr recommends uh, training and opening the door and having a training montage. So just telling them, hey, you know, it would be better if you guys work together instead of one of you guys pushing up the door by yourselves. And they're like, yeah. The gang agrees, and then uh, Zebro hands them 50 kilogram or 110 pound vests and tells them to put them on, telling them to wear it at all times besides bedtime. They're given tea, but they have an issue. They can barely bring up the cups, which are about 20 kilograms or about 44 pounds. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, and then he Man. reveals everything in the house weighs more than 20 kilograms each, and I kind of need that at my house. That probably helped me get fit a lot better and open <laughs> hundreds and thousands of pound doors. And, uh, yep, uh, and it's kind of funny because the, the bathroom door they mentioned weighs about 500 kilograms. And I told, I, I put uh, better go in those cups then. Oh, God. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's crazy just how heavy everything is and kind of thinking about it like if like you know the family was trained to wear these vests throughout their life and like half the kids seem like they don't even weigh 110 pounds and yet they're probably wearing these vests that are like the same weight if not like 
twice as heavy as them. So Pretty this much. is this is uh, the butlers only. the The family doesn't do this, uh, but I mean, I guess like the young I mean, butlers. They don't need have to. to have you seen them? They can open up all all those doors. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Killua. I mean, he's probably might not be as strong as some of them, but he's like you know, with a skeeper in his hand, hold opens it up with one hand. It's like, yeah, I'm home, guys. So you know how last time we had that long discussion about doors and mechanical advantage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. And I did some extensive research on the way door hinges work because I wanted to confirm what I thought. It turns out, one, I think I was wrong because most door hinges that exist right now are spring-loaded, actually. So it's not the weight of the door that matters so much as the spring force or the return part. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's true of ancient Chinese gates, which is what these are clearly modeled on. And uh, I did not feel like doing the research into ancient Chinese mechanics and architecture. Do you think so. they have a guy come out and uh, and service that door every once in a blue moon, like you know, putting new springs in, cleaning up the 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 sides, cleaning up the doors, you know, oiling the hinges a little bit, you know, basic I'm, basic. I'm unsure. I mean, basic, you know, maintenance. I mean, these doors, you know, what about if they can't get it open? It turned out that it's not that they weren't strong, but you know, the door hinge wasn't right, or it was, you know, not oiled enough. I thought you were gonna say, what if there was a fire and they couldn't get out? Well, I mean, why why do they need to worry about their assassins? If they can't get out, they deserve to die at that point. Wow, the accessibility <laughs> of this uh, of this place is terrible. Well, I mean, yeah, but straight up, all of them are assassins, like 300 times 200. So it's like, what's like 600, 900? It's kind of like Wait, that. Okay. <laughs> There's nice. a dumb joke, dumb 300 joke. Yeah, it was just like, I didn't understand where those numbers came from, and I thought about it for a second, and I'm like, oh... Yeah, that was that was stupid, but <laughs> anyways, um, yep. They now cue the train montage with uh, with a chair like them holding up chairs. Uh, uh, Kropika practicing his uh, his uh, serving skills, holding up all those cups like a champ. Uh, one arm one arm pushups from Gone because his arm's broken. Rock pulling, wood chopping, and lots of sleeping because that's probably what I'd be doing after all that bullshit. Wait, does he do one arm push ups or one arm handstand push ups, which are even fucking harder? I one arm handstand push ups, sorry. Yeah. You, you, thank you for correcting me, Joe. I, no, I mean I, I think this one's like there is like a huge gulf in difference there. I can do one arm push ups. I've never in my life been able to do a one arm handstand push up. Oh, that sounds like that sounds like something you need to fix. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> How about I if I break your arm and then we can get started on that immediately? I forgot we're still doing couch the hunter exam, right? Yeah, I'm still working on that. I kind of got delayed because I got sick as hell. Yeah, I got. But, <laughs> you're sick as hell. Well, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, yeah. Quite literally, three weeks worth of sick as hell. So, I was yeah, ill and <laughs> quite literally. Um, with one of the, uh, you know, the gathering the jugglers canceled. One of them paper cut me, so now I'm dead. So that won't be happening. <laughs> jugglers did something right for once. True. But anyway, <laughs> my death. Yeah, but no, it's still working on that Couch the Hunter exam. Uh, I, I'm getting back into my routine a little bit more and more, feeling a little bit better. So, but that's gonna, that's it's gonna be sweet. Uh, I got a trainer now, so he's gonna help me get through the Hunter exam. Like the was it the Sherpas? He's gonna uh, train Everest. Yeah, can't. No, it's, he's not gonna be doing that. But no, I went to my friend's trainer now, so he's helping me out a little bit getting the form down and figuring out what to do and sort of giving me ideas to work out. So it's been fun with that. Sounds good. 
But yeah, uh, but yeah, that was a good a uh, good segue, Joe, and it's kind of related to what we're talking about. So uh, I'm gonna need to get a uh, get a jacket that's about a hundred pounds. Gonna need those teacups that are forty. So if you guys want to send us any gifts or anything, I'll put a PO box up, and you guys can send us weighted training vests. Yeah. Also, yeah, send us like a face mask, and we'll put like a twenty pound weight on it too. If you can yeah. strengthen up your face. Against Corona, <laughs> have like face ups. Be like, uh, was it like one, two? Oh my three. god! If you get, get us that. weighted clothes, we'll wear them during the podcast, so we'll get super strong at podcasting. That's oh good. god! We're, we're gonna be we're gonna be like like jacked by the end of this podcast. We get like hundred kilo hundred pound uh, vests. <coughs> it's god gonna be it. sweet. But um, anyways, uh, what the hell? Why did I put this? Oh yeah, C- oh yeah, there- and there's a lot of door pushing. Uh, Sequant has his his anime character build up phase, where he sort of uh, he sort of becomes you know that that edgy you know doesn't care guy to you know caring about his best friends his new friends, and has gone and has gone get it he's gone from stubborn asshole <laughs> to trainer, telling them to sync up and push that door, and after all that. Both uh, Karapiga and Leorio were able to move in and inch the door just a little bit, but just enough. Nice. Oh, re- real quick. Uh, earlier, we forgot to mention that there's a cut to uh, Kaluto and uh, Kikyo, uh, Kilua's mom, sort of uh, walking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, just take it away, man. Take it away. I know. Every time I thought, like, oh, man. <laughs> it's. Where's Inuyasha? <laughs> did you just sl- did you just suddenly like slowly hear something fading into the background like yeah that, that's basically what happened God I'm still I need to get back on that I've been watching that again I love Don't. Inuyasha Don't give a fuck who but well, that's grass anime Tell us tell us all about Kikyo's troubles in this in this episode Actually I don't really remember those Oh no I mean here Oh here. Kikyo's troubles. Kilo's mom. Kilo's mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's getting really salty at everybody. Yeah, but I see Kilo's mom. Her character design is so interesting. It's very like almost um, what's the word? Rococo, like oh, fashion. I can see from, that. Like aristocratic, but then she has like that android cyborg mask over her eyes you know who she yeah. her body type kind of reminds me of is uh the and the butler from uh from big o oh oh i see dorothy? it yeah yeah kind of like dorothy except she's wearing that giant eye thing i mask. like are you talking about that one time that dorothy wore like a nice full dress yeah and that that fashion yeah okay i see the- i see that Except yeah, that Dorothy, know. even though she's like pretty inhuman, is at least not a jerk. Like Kulu's mom telling him, like you know that the the others are gonna fucking leave and shit. Yeah, no, she's 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 just. I think she, I think she's more of the. I guess the the coddling mom. I mean, we all had those once in a while. You know, the mom doesn't want her kids leaving from home and stuff like that, and growing up, and she's just too attached to Kulu. It's her one of her last her last kids, and she's you know very attached to him. She's a, a combination of the best. tiger mother and the helicopter mom. She's a tiger helicopter mom. Oof. <laughs> That's her final transformation. No wonder yeah, he wants to run away from home. Jeez. Yeah, it's like, stop coddling me, mom. 
I can kill on my own now. I don't ha- I don't need you to help me anymore. I can <laughs> bury the bodies myself. But uh <laughs> but uh, basically uh and uh it cuts basically the next day and uh and Zeb- Zebra was like, "You know what? You can take those vests off. I think you guys can do it this time." So both uh both Karapika and Leorio take the vest off and try the door again and get a tiny bit further. And then Gana is like, you know what? I'm going to try to do this as myself and takes off his bandages and they all push together. And then Gana re-breaks his arm <laughs> again. No, JK, JK, they, they're able to open up together with the power of friendship. <laughs> they will open the door. Isn't it wonderful, guys? Yeah. Anything mm-hmm. could anything could happen with teamwork and magic. <laughs> and friendship. Makes the dream work. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yep, but uh, Zephyr and Sequant see them off, and they head to the mansion to visit their bestest buddy, Kill. Cut the killer's mother, lamenting their success to the butler, saying, like, I can't believe they made it through this gate. Make sure they don't come in here. And they're like, don't worry, ma'am. I'm going to make sure they don't make it any further. And that's what they do. Uh, and then cut to a really cute little butler with this, these nice little, this nice little suit and this cane and tell them to go back and say that they're trespassers and quite literally draws a line for them saying that they can't cross this line. Uh, gone having no brain cells and not having any of that shit continues with all his might to pass and getting slapped back until he's a bloody mess. And it cuts him like in hit constantly. Boom, boom, boom. See him getting all (laughs) bruised up and, you know, swollen. And then finally the power of friendship kicks in and it gives him the strength to shatter a nearby pillar. Just when she realizes the power of friendship, she hugs him, and they become best friends. JK, she gets she gets literally fired by her mom and gets hit in the head and killed. And then her by mom tells him it's straight fucked up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that made me... I was so shocked by that, and I was like, oh, good enough. I know. Like, um, hmm. You could sense... Um, was her... I forgot, is her name revealed in this episode? Um, I, I, just, I just call her Killer in... Mommy. That's that's her nickname for this episode. Um, Wait, are you talking about are you talking about the butler or, or Akilo's mom? The butler. Oh, the, um, the butler's name isn't revealed yet. Yeah, it's not okay. revealed yet, but it will be. I mean, we're talking about two episodes of this episode of the podcast, so feel free to talk about it because they uh, need okay. to have watched the episode at this point. Okay, I'll just call her. It's like Canary, super cute, right? That's yeah. probably the, that's <laughs> probably the the second or third Canary I see killed in a TV show. Jesus. Oh, no. But I was so sad. I was like, what the fuck? She's, like, because you could see, like, when she realizes, like, just, like, when the notes with the power of friendship, she literally sees that. And, like, she, you could see her, like, her eyes getting all soft and dowdy and, like, oh, my God, it hurt. And then Killa's mom, Killa's mom shot the anti-friendship weapon at God, her. God damn it, Kikio. She just like shoots an arrow at him. At her. Is the mom actually named Kikio or is it the daughter that's named Kikio? Uh, oh, it's, it's, the, it's the mom. The daughter's name yeah. is Kaluto. I well, gotcha. I mean, mm, I could say something, but it's kind of a spoiler. Anyways, well, that you, kid's name is the father's name's Inuyasha? That kid's name's Kaluto. Kalito. Poor girl experiencing such violent. Oh, never mind. Their assassination family. Never mind. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just at one point, you just feel bad because you can tell, like, she's conflicted about trying to keep Gon away from from Kilua in any way, and then she's like, help, help Master Kilua, and then she gets shot in the head, like, that's what's up. That's one uh, one hell of a day at work. Yeah, I'm assuming you guys immediately watch the next episode, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine watching this weekly. Oh, God. It's it's yeah. like you gotta like go to school and it's like your hands in your head. It's like, man, what happened? Oh, I just saw some little girl get fucking killed in this manga I've been watching. Yeah, God. Or manga I'm reading. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. I forget if it's as abrupt. I mean, I think it is as abrupt in the manga. But um, yeah. Speaking of which, Patrick, take it away, man. All right. Um, uh, Zebro Zebro afraid to face Killua if his friends are killed by Mike. So I thought that was kind of funny. I don't think he mentioned that in the earlier episodes. Or Mike, sorry. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess that up. I was going to... Dude, I, I'm totally going to fuck it up, too. I kept calling him Mike, but Mike. Uh, Zebro has inner monologue about how Gon isn't afraid of Mike because he loves animals when he just said that out loud in the anime. Saying, yep. I knew you love animals, so it was more inner towards himself. Uh, Zebro explains how heavy the doors and the rest of the objects are immediately, so... As soon as they walk in, they explain all the heaviness versus in the manga where it's like they sat down and talked a little bit and then agreed to the training. Um, mm-hmm. They met Sequan outside of the quarters versus inside of the quarters in the manga, so he's outside talking with them. But the same conversation. Um, he explains the door opening will take about one month. Uh, I don't think they had that time frame in the manga. I mean, you mean in the, in the anime. anime. Yeah, no. sorry. Uh, they they did, but only insofar as Gon is on a certain type of visa, so he only had a month. Oh. Uh, Gon's arm healed in 10 days, and he took the cast off instead of the dramatic door opening with all the gang. And then uh, Leorio got through the second door by himself, so like he tanked it. Oh. Straight up. And then Yeah, uh, this is something I, I wanted to talk about once we're done describing the manga. Yeah, uh... Less introduction to Canary, so they didn't show that giant fight beforehand or had the that introduction. It was basically her showing up. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't that big thing. Um, and Sequan, and they reveal Sequan was, was in that gang. And then, well, uh, no, they reveal he was the leader in the manga. Oh, there was? Okay, I missed that one. Uh, and the Karapika is wearing the Chinese-style outfit that he was was in the previous 99 episode. Yeah, and last episode I mentioned that Kurapika was wearing this red outfit, this red Chinese-looking outfit, and I was like, I don't know where the hell this is from, and then now I, I was reading the manga, and I'm like, oh, it's directly from this part of the manga. Yeah, and and I think what Joan described was that the that actually all of them opened the door separately versus together. Mm-hmm. I think that's Yeah, so. like each of them were capable of doing it themselves, and Leorio opened the second door, so he's at this point the physically strongest of any of them. But yeah. they changed that for the anime because I think the 2011 anime wants to emphasize Leorio a lot less than the manga or 99 did. Yeah, kind of sad, but sad. I guess kind of necessary after that one episode. Um, oh. I don't think that's the only reason. I think it's because the 2011 version is more aware of certain things that happen with Leorio's character. So, like, why even bother investing in him right now? Like, he doesn't... He's not. He's not going to, like... Nothing terrible is going to happen. It's just like he's not as big of a deal after... It's like similar to Kuwabara. Oh, well, that's kind of disappointing. I guess that's a kind of trope with Tugashi, where it's like, hey, there's this character. Hey, guess what? Nah. 
it's it's less being sidelined and more like that his real goal is medicine so he goes you know he's he even mentions at the end of this set of episodes just like yeah gonna go study burbs yeah he doesn't even get like the healer girl (laughs) like it um role in the series you know, like, I, I can't tell least... you more without spoiling a lot of stuff. Aww. He did fight this really bulky man, though. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, so... Take away those 99 notes, Mr. Joe, and get get us in the 99... Party like it's 1999. Go. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I'm like, he's going to say that eventually. Um, So in this version, they have a long cleaning montage that is the training montage where they're just, like, cleaning the place. They make them do janitor work while they're there. Wax on, Um, wax off. Yeah, with, like, very heavy implements. (laughs) And so, like, they get some extra training that way. Uh, Sequant tells Gon directly about the hunter that tried getting in and got their asses kicked. So instead of it being a conversation he has with Zebro, he has it directly with Gon. He's like, oh, yeah, a hunter tried getting in here and got destroyed. Um, you know, obviously talking about himself in the third person. Um, so in this one, they add an extra scene where to test that they got stronger, they push open the front gate, but it fall like they fall through and they get attacked by Mike, who just happens to be there. And um, Leorio is bowled over, so he's about to get eaten by Mike. So Gon rushes in to distract Mike while Leorio is bowled over and distracted. Gon runs, and before Mike kills him at a cliffside, someone from the main house calls uh, Mike off, like by whistling. And then, like you find out in a later shot that it was Kaluto who like whistled to get Mike's attention. This isn't paid nice. off for anything. I don't know why they did it. <laughs> How nice of him. Yeah. So uh, Gon ends up opening the gates in front of the tour guide from earlier with her new group of tourists. So they're basically like, wait, you said people don't come out of that place. And she's like, uh, usually not. Um, in this one, the butler, the, you know, short, young female butler has her flashback about Kilua here instead of later. And it's uh, done as a watercolor painting, like the one of Kilua when he was like very young. They do it oh. now. I actually like the uh, the hair color that that she had in the ninety nine version, the red reddish color. I like that. It's very weird to me that her skin is incredibly light in the ninety nine version, which can be argued to match the manga better because she's not shaded in there. But part of that is just honest, like I I couldn't tell the difference, but maybe I have to see it back to back to be able to to tell. But I, the thing is, I thought it was maybe a lighting thing, like you know how sometimes the uh, the, the colors are saturated on like different sources. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of what you're talking about, and I I could see how you could come away from that picture thinking that. But the problem was they showed her under a bunch of different lights, and she was still very light. Okay, yeah, that might yeah. I I haven't watched it, so may, that's probably the case. If that's the case, yeah. I I wonder how much of it was just like a, oh, we're gonna make this manga correct in that her she's like very light because they just didn't shade her in the manga or if it was a we don't really like showing non-villainous black people on japanese television in the 90s i think it might have just been a shading issue in this case i don't i can't really i can't really see a point in doing that because i don't think did they ever have like a you know how sometimes they do the full color uh the full color covers of the of the manga i don't think there was a full color of uh that butler until later so okay. it's po- yeah so it's possible yeah. that like it can be either but i'm just saying that honestly as bad as this is either is conceivable yeah right. no and it, it's also with like in terms of like the tr- with the terms of like in japanese media with skin color 
like as Jeff said, generally, if there is like a person, like a person with a darker skin tone than the average um, anime character, it depends on their role. Like there is, they have dark hair. They're generally either gonna have more muted personality or villainous personality or but if they Mm -hmm. have like a lighter hair color or red it usually signifies either more like a hot-headed or um bold personality so i guess i guess it depends maybe they just wanted to be make it random or make her seem more unique by giving her red hair yeah Yeah. i'm not sure i i think I think we've elaborated the possibilities, and with the evidence we have, we can't say more than the possibilities we've listed out. That yeah. red hair, though, is, is bomb. I really wish they would have brought cool, that in yeah. 2011, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I like her, but I can kind of see why they chose the dark hair, just because it seems more... It reflects her personality a little bit more aligned to like what the common color tropes are for hair color. So it makes a little bit more sense. She's in like a fiery head head <laughs> in terms of um, personality. Just to clarify, we're talking about both her hair color and her skin color, which were both different between the two versions. Right. Uh, no, and I think, then I think okay. with the skin color too, that could just, I don't know if it's like an effect either. They wanted to make it more progressive in the 2011, or they just thought it looked better. Versus, like, in yeah. 1999, maybe, I don't know, colorism, pro- it, it, of course, everything doesn't exist in a, everything exists in a vacuum, but it's interesting that there is such a significant difference. That's cool. It gives me more time to look up, uh, look up, look up Canary and see Canary Hunter X Hunter. I just want to see if there's any, like, co- like, you know how the cover, I want to see if there, any of those exist yeah, because they have a comparison. Oh, yeah, no, now I see it. Yeah, she's extremely lighter skinned in that. Oh, yeah, oh, my God. She's, like, a world of difference. Her facial features are even different, too. Yeah, it let me look at that again. It looks like a, more like a mocha, a mocha color versus, you know, uh, black. Yeah, I um, could... I don't know. I think... I mean, in the manga, in the manga, you're right because she has her hair color is not shaded, and nothing in the manga shaded in. So they probably were probably going along with that, and in like 2011, they just decided to, I guess, make it so that she had darker skin and darker hair. I mean, I personally think it looks. A little bit better, but I it would have been cool to see her have the red hair. She does have red hair ties though in the 2011, so maybe that was a nod to the 1999. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the ma- the manga version of of Canary, and I th- and it looks kind of more like her hair is more faithful to the, I mean that style in the in the 19 in the 1999 because you can see underneath underneath her uh, her her. I guess her dreadlocks. You can see kind of like that the black hair underneath that, mm-hmm. the darkish hair, and in the in the two thousand one you can or the the two thousand eleven you kind of see a little bit, but not as heavily. But it's more emphasized in the 
299 version, but dang, her hair's a lot bigger in the 99 version, though. Yeah, I think they kind of did an overhaul on <laughs> her character design. Um, yeah. In the terms thing of is the colors. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, think, I think at the end of the day, though, I have to say that I actually think I'd pr- kind of prefer the the 2011 design versus the 99 one, even though the 99 is technically more faithful to the design of the 2011, or sorry, the the manga. I um, I agree with you. Uh, I I wonder how much of it was faithfulness versus like, I because like it is faithful in terms of like direct shading, but it, yeah. to me it seems like you know when you look at Canary's design in the manga, you're like, oh, this is a black person, and then like it's like that's supposed to signify that. So then like in certain ways, the 2011 one is more accurate to what it was suggesting while the 99 one is more accurate to just like, we literally scanned this image and colored it. Yeah, no, it's, it's like one for one in the, in the 99, the 99. I'll see if that shows up correctly, but I have the, the comparison, the 90, the manga, then the comparison between 99 and 2000. And yeah, the, the, the 99 ones technically more faithful to the design, but I think the 2011 oh, one's more real, more realistic, and more of a, I guess, more of a. I'm trying to think. Yeah, just more of a more human-esque design versus the 99 one. Versus a cartoon, yeah. She also yeah. kind of. She also. I think she did get a glow up from the 99 to the 2011 in terms of even just like how they draw her eyes. They look a lot more doll-like. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I feel the 99 version makes her look older than she is, while like the uh, 2011 version makes her look like her actual age, which is 13. But yeah, damn, that, that red hair, though, and the, the, not the first image in the 99, but the second one, that one looks a lot better. That one looks really good, like the red hair and that design. Yeah, I think that would have been lo- that would have looked pretty. I think that would look good in her current character design if they gave her that shade of red. Mm. Yeah. For sure, like if they could mix and match it, that'd be like really cool. Like this, that same skin, the same skin tone and sleek design versus with the red hair and that the face design, that'd be kind of cool. Like combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, continuing on with this, uh, all of them, like all the guys, try to enter at the same time in this version because Gon comes through and they realize he's about to get hit so Leorio and Kurapika try getting through at the same time and she just whoops all their asses simultaneously um which is pretty cool uh but is a badass yeah so here Kilua is shown offering uh her the skateboard but like this scene happened earlier today but also was offered at another time in the distant past. And like the way they do this with flashbacks is kind of confusing. Cause if you don't get the signifiers of like what age people are at a certain time, like it kind of seems like, Oh, you have two depictions of the same scene. Weird. Um, but in this version, uh, Kilua dropped the skateboard in dejection today and, uh, she kept it. And Gon basically points out if him giving you the skateboard was true, then you're already his friend. And this is, like, what basically causes her to, like, snap out of, like, wanting to just stop these guys. And that's when she it starts to, like, talk to them. And then Gon says, you aren't like Mike. You know, you have, like, a like you're, you're not just programmed. You're, like, a human being. And right as he finishes that sentence, she gets shot. 
you mean me you mean he you aren't lee k Mike? yeah you you aren't lee k Mike, yes um but in this version so that would be really cool and dramatic but then this the fucking sound effect they use for the shot is not a gunshot or anything like that like it is in 2011 it's like and it just totally undermines the scene entirely like she, she tossed a shoe at her Honestly, the biggest problem I have with the entirety of Hunter Hunter 99 is so it has amazing music, really cool art, very different, very dark, like cool tone. All the sound effects sound like they took western sound effects from a cartoon from the 60s and are just using them. And it's surprised <laughs> don't have the, the Wilhelm scream in it. They probably will at some point, I don't know. And like it blows my mind cuz this was made like 7 years after Yu Hakusho, which has like good sound effects and Ron Mahaf, which is like, you know, 1990, 1991, which also has really good sound effects. I don't know where the fuck they got these sound effects from, but they're terrible. What studio did this? Um I don't remember off the top of my head, but it wasn't Perot. I gotcha. That's probably why I don't I don't remember I mean, you probably look in the history of the studio. Didn't we even? I'm pretty sure I did that too. Yeah, I yeah. Through that, I, I'm like dumb. it's just like one of those things where like it's just one aspect that's really screwing it up for me because like I actually really like the art style and the animation, but like somehow they yeah. fucked this up. Yeah, no, the 99 version is very pretty, but I'm I just can't get on board with all this different filler and all these changes. I mean, it's one thing to like change a couple scenes in 2011, but it's kind of ridiculous all these changes that i've i've heard you talk about in the 99 version yeah i mean it's it's kind of par for the course of like a 90 of a 1990s anime but like it is unfortunate i mean i mean one piece is pretty accurate at least to what i remember i mean my uh, the, piece... the giant filler i meant like the the main yeah. story yeah so that's the difference they integrated filler in episodes that you could take out as opposed to in this where they put it in scenes that are like plot pivotal Right, which is an inch, which I was wondering why they did that. Is it just because there's only so much material and they just wanted to stretch things out? Maybe. Uh, so, I, the thing is, I think maybe they didn't know how long it's going to go. So, like, yeah. how One Piece was going where it's like, oh, we don't know if this might be a One Piece situation where Hunter Hunter will have a bagillion episodes or it's going to be a short series so maybe they're preparing for it because they know Tagashi's Yu Hakusho took off so maybe they're thinking oh this is going to be his big thing sort of like uh, I guess um, sort of a like Rama one half to Inuyasha right yeah I mean, they definitely wanted to stretch it out because they didn't want to run out of like source material but mm-hmm. the method they used to stretch it out is just like in my opinion the worst method of integrating it into scenes that are canon right right but yeah, uh, so that's uh, that's that for that episode. I, I'd really like to talk more about that Leorio thing we talked about, but it's going to be big spoilers. Like, he's not as harshly kuabara as Kuabara, but, like, there's a similarity. I mean, all the characters are pretty much you Hakusho characters and when you come down to it. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this, but Gon's the most different um, mm-hmm. compared oh, to yeah. their origin. I guess. I mean, he still has the same spirit as Yusuke at the end of the day, though. Um, In terms of, like, quantity of spirit, yes. But in terms of, like, type of spirit, I disagree. Hmm. Yeah, we, yeah, maybe it's, like, a deeper discussion we should definitely have about that, but... Yeah, well, yeah. At, a, at another time, like, when we finish the season. Fair. And now a word from our compatriots and benefactors. <laughs> 
Hey there, this is Jeremy Parrish, and if you're a fan of classic video game soundtracks, or if you just love 20-minute rock epics about war-ready armadillos that battle Catholicism, you should listen to Alexander's Ragtime Band. Join the power trio of myself, Elliot Long, and James Eldred each month as we talk about the most pretentious music of all, progressive rock, right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. How does Bloodborne stack up against, say, Oregon Trail? And is Bomberman just Loadrunner from a different point of view? Find out on Hardcore Gaming 101's Top Games, where we objectively, definitively, and scientifically rank the games you nominate for our ever-growing list. HG 101's Top Games, twice a week, every week, right here on Greenlit. All right, now on to episode 24, The Zoldic Family. In Japanese, Zoldiku no Kazoku. Um, originally released in Japan on March 25th, 2012, and it aired on Tsunami in the U.S. on October 15th, 2016. The equivalent manga chapter is 42, which was released in Japan on March 15th, 1999, and the equivalent of the 99 anime series is um, episode 34, which is apparently a shitty filter. Filler, I, I think then, I had written shitty filler, but that's not exactly accurate. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and then um, episode 35, which were released in Japan on July 22nd, 2000. Yeah, in this episode, we continue the trend of big Zoldic energy. And uh, <laughs> they kind of tell us a little bit about the family, you know, telling us about how they're kooky and they're spooky. The Zoldic family. <laughs> um, but, you know, tell you a little bit about the Assassin Clan, etc. You know, every episode starts with the, in the Dentora region of, of Padokia, blah, 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 doo, 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 doo. But yeah, so it kind of recaps that. And so, uh, Kilua is still in the dungeon, hanging around, you know, just hanging, like you do. And it cuts to a flashback of him as a kid, uh, getting back from a kill and hanging with his new, with the new, uh, butler apprentice, Canary. Uh, at this point, do they ma- name her or? Yeah, I think so. I she think introduces point, herself, yes. doesn't she? She's like, I'm I Canary. Forget. I'm the new butler lady that, or, I'm the new butler that got hired when you were gone. It's like, damn, they're hiring fast. I so, <laughs> I like her Japanese name and like the like what it's derived from more. But like, I it's kind of weird because it's definitely her name is Canaria. And I think that's supposed to be in reference to, I'm not positive about this, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Portuguese introduced Canaries to Japan. Um, Those damn point, Portuguese. Like, yeah, at which point her name is like the Portuguese, you know, version of Canary. And so I get why they would huh. translate as that. But I think Canaria is like a more pretty name. Mm-hmm. I don't I know. I think so. Um, but Canaria, can, Canary, so fuck. Canaria. <laughs> reveals, <laughs> yeah, reveals she is from Meteor City, which is quite literally a wasteland uh, where dumping anything is allowed and where the fandom troop is actually from basically imagine if you had a country that had been war-torn for literally hundreds of years and people just threw out their trash including nuclear waste and chemical weapons there oh, welcome australia you mean that you mean like <laughs> oh, uh, oh my god <laughs> hey joe you mean like meteor city arizona which is actually a real place yeah that's a real place but i don't think you can dump stuff there because i'm pretty sure that's a park and stuff too i mean um what won't what won't if you don't tell it, sorry, but you don't tell them won't hurt. Wow. Man, my brain is today. Sorry about that. Uh, Kilua shows her the rhythm echo, you know, that technique he used in the Netero ball game. Um, and so Canary leaves and deals with an issue uh, at this point, fighting a bunch of intruders and laying them flat, which includes a familiar face, a.k.a. Sequant, 
Um, and so in this version, like Sequant is not the leader, which is inaccurate to both the manga and the ninety nine version because they replace him with the a leader dude. of the bunch. You don't know him well. Oh, God He's damn it! Not coming finally back. back to get his ass kicked. Um, but like they replace him with a guy who's like, what if Sequant was bigger and more of an asshole? And like and that's faster the new leader. too. He's the first member of the Sequant <laughs> crew. Sequant, uh. <laughs> Donkey Kong. Anyways, um, so <laughs> that's how you find out about how Sequant came to be in the service of the Butlers, and that was like I think they said three or two years ago. I forget. Yeah, I don't know. Killua's age ranges depending on what the what the mood of Tagashi is, and the yeah, animators. Why not? Um. So at this point, uh. Like, Canary is really close to becoming his friend, and, uh, you know, the ever-present uh, tiger helicopter mom shows up from behind a tree and basically, like, this is earlier, threatens her and friend blocks Kiloa from Canary. Um that was so and sad. So, yep, just getting friend blocked by your mom. Yeah, and then, like, um, I, I watched the dub, and so... Like, um, Canary's like, yeah, I'm sorry, I had to apologize. After, like, um, but no, basically after Kiloa asks if they want to be friends, and then Kiloa's like, hmm, fine, that's stupid, and then he just runs off. <laughs> He's, He's been uh, used to being deprived of having friendship his entire life, so. Yeah. His mom Pretty didn't want to watch My Little Pony. That's very sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no magical friendship for him. So it cuts to modern-day Canary, who it turns out isn't dead, just rendered unconscious for now. Um, did you guys get big Marota vibes from Yu Hakusho here? Uh, you uh, mean the guy that threw that rock and knocked the hell out of a... Uh, yeah, the guy who man? got hit with a pencil eraser that had been coated with demon energy, so it looked like he had just gotten his brain, brain splattered out, and then it turned out he was still alive. Yeah, yeah that that's what man, I was right? thinking, too, because there was just so much... It looks like there is like blood coming out, but it didn't actually look like there was anything when they examined her. So is this the chapter black arc of Hunter Hunter? No, that's uh the Chimera Antarct <laughs> the Chimera Antarc. Antarctica. Yeah, the Chimera Antarctica, yes. It's it's the very cold place where we fuse animals together. <laughs> nice. Um Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> Damn it, I was about to say that. Oh fuck! I ruined that. I, I screwed up an alley oop. I basically like alley oop to you, and then jumped up. A shadow clone of me jumped up and grabbed it from you. It's like you just like yeah. It's like you like fucking took the ball away from me. I don't like it. You fucked up, yo. <laughs> Naruto's fucked up. Harlem Globetrotters. Um, does that make me the New York, the Washington Generals? Washington Generals, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Let's never talk about this again. <laughs> this is so dumb. Anyways, um. So back to Kila getting whipped in the dungeon with Brother Bear Dom, who is pissed uh, that the roleplay went too far and he got stabbed previously. You know, they didn't practice uh, good BDSM. There wasn't a safe word. Um, so Kila gets pissed, breaks a chain, and threatens him after Miluki basically threatens his friends. And this is all interrupted by Granddaddy Zeno uh, coming in. And with it, he has a... Uh, shirt that I think in the version we watched was translated as one kill a day, but it's more accurately like uh, one kill one day or one kill one moment. I forget. Well, I have a note on it later, but uh, it's, it's like the it's like the kiss the kiss the the chef apron of the Zolbert family. <laughs> kill the chef! You gotta kill the chef. 
Um, he's like the the, grand, the 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 was it the silly granddad that wears all the silly shirts and has all those dad puns. God. Oh yeah. And also murders the shit out of people. Yep. Yeah. It just means like one kill a day keeps the doctor away. Because the the guy I killed was the doctor. <laughs> So uh, he lets Kilo go to see his dad, and uh, it reveals that, like, they reveal that Kilo is one of the strongest in the family, and not only strongest in the family currently, but, like, one of the strongest in the entire, like, line of the family throughout history. Mm. Um, but Miluki says that he's weak because he wants friends. You know, very, this is, like, some cookie-cutter anime shit, except they do it as, like, you know, fucking the Adams family, though, so it's it's interesting. I mean, this family's interesting. I mean, I was going to say at one point it'd be cool to be part of the family, but then I realized it's nothing like the Adams family, which I would love to be a part of. I was gonna say, was it the Adams family where they had one relative who was totally normal? Then I'm like, no, that was the monsters. Mm-hmm. Same shit. No, Adams family is way better. Uh, yeah, I'll have to agree with you on that one. I actually like the Adams family more. But yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about about our love for the Adams family a little bit later. Yeah, on our on our new cast we're making with Capcom called Adam's Family vs. the Monsters to EO. Um but yeah, so Mill starts to flex on the granddad by telling him that like he's the best bomb builder the family's ever had and like talks about implanting a bomb on like a female mosquito and the the grandfather's just walking away and basically says like, ah, you're very sharp but also an idiot. <laughs> the shade. <laughs> the shadiest of all shade. But um, Kilua then sees his dad and discusses his time during the hunter exam, having a heart to heart with his dad and asking his dad asks Kilua straight up what he wants, and says he wants to see his friends. You know, Kilua says he wants to see his friends. His dad agrees and makes him blood promise to never betray his friends. Okay, did you guys find this weird that two people who are literally related thought it was a good idea to become blood brothers? I mean, there's no risk of getting any diseases. Well, one, there definitely is. But two, the point of that is to emphasize that our bond is like family. When you are family, you don't need to do this. Maybe maybe it's like a sim- symbolic dad. I don't know how their family works. Maybe it's like one of those things where like someone has a kid somewhere in the world and they like take it. Maybe. Oh, like fucking the Witcher? I guess, maybe. <laughs> is, I don't know how this family works. They, is, have a, they have a homicidal fat kid that makes bombs like Ted Chikinsky. Is and they Silva Geralt of Rivia? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He I mean, was he a child like of him. surprise. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's <laughs> why everyone's so freaked out over him. Okay, wait. Uh, just a just a break from from the the joke. Uh, they are actually for sure related, but like, what the fuck? I gotcha. Yeah, no. Uh, it was weird, but I thought it was kind of sweet. You know, it's like, you know, real dad responsibilities. Yeah, okay, I, so I just thought it was like not so much like a blood brother things, but you know, like promises written in blood. It's just yeah, like that like significance a... in the act of it's like essentially putting your own self into a promise. A little less on the bonds and more focus on the gravity of the promise that's supposed to be kept. Yeah. No, definitely that's possible. Yeah, it kind of like a, I don't know, kind of like a cultural thing. Like maybe it's like a blood promise with the family, like a traditional thing. Right. 
I feel I should research this more, but in the 80s anime Zeta Gundam, there's a person who makes a blood promise, talks about how fucking stupid it is, and then later murders the guy he made the blood promise with. I mean, that's the <laughs> yeah, way to do it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's one so way to go I don't know. About it. <laughs> it's it's at least resonant in Japanese culture, but I'm unsure whether it was Japanese 80s 90s pop culture or like more traditional. Mm-hmm. It's probably some weird traditional thing, like because uh, the family is based in like in like the I mean, Killa's family is obviously like a Chinese based family or based off of that sort of that sort of theme. But maybe it's like a some Chinese thing that we don't know about. Yeah, I'll. I'll try to do some research in between now and next time we record and maybe come to a conclusion. Gotcha. That works. But, um, yeah, I thought this scene was very wholesome by itself. Some stuff that happens later makes me more worried about it. But, um, you know, so sort of seeing it, it's like very like you normally don't expect anime dads to be like, yeah, you can just do whatever now that you've like shown yourself that you're your own person, you know? And that's like a real talk that someone might have with their like real parents in real life. But that normally doesn't that nuance and like that good parenting doesn't normally happen in anime. Yeah. Especially with just like how in general, like they've been raised up to this point. Like why would the dad just suddenly have a change of heart, you know? I mean, or maybe he's just, like, the typical, not absentee, but, like, hands-off dad while the mom is, like, a tiger mom. Yeah, so, he's, the, he's the cool dad. The hashtag the cool dad. <laughs> hey, kiddo, you're, like, older now. Let's become friends. <laughs> Do you think he, like, rides motorcycles and stuff and drives hot rods around his empty-ass home? Yeah, lets the wind blow through his long, luscious lo- locks. You know. Yeah, got like got like classic rock playing in the in the torture dungeon while he's working on his projects. <laughs> projects. Yeah. So this is it's weird to me because this is very much like a classical family dynamic, not like a good one necessarily, but the idea of like the family that is abusive, but like one parent doesn't actually participate in it; they just happen to be okay with it. At which point, like, that's not good either. Um, And, like, clearly they're in, like, a fantasy world and, like, parenting standards are a bit different, especially if you're, like, inheriting a clan of assassins. And, you know, you could maybe say that this has some basis in, like, the way royals were raised. In fact, this is probably similar more to the way royals were raised than most other circumstances, but it's still pretty weird to watch from our perspective. For sure. Yeah. So what do you guys think of the next scene, though, where basically the mother comes in and gets really angry at him, and then, one, the dad effectively says to shut up, which is already not cool, but then he's like, oh, he'll come back. He is my son. It, and then you're just like, what does that mean? What does that mean? That's some Darth Vader level shit right there. Yeah, it's, it's like everyone's playing checkers and the dad's playing chess. That's how I viewed it. So, like, definitely that act of kindness was not just purely for being kind he has some motive it also kind of reminded me of you know the subreddit am i the asshole it reminded me of one of those posts like am i an asshole for undermine for accidentally undermining my spouse's parenting when it comes to our spoiled child so you're not the the asshole divorce hire a lawyer hit the gym uh and what was the other one? Oh, delete Facebook. Red flags everywhere. So that's what I, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. So, 
Uh, without spoiling much, I will say that they give Illumi a good deal of freedom later. Like, I, I won't say more than that. But, like, it feels like Illumi is still more stuck in the way their parents raised them than Kilua is. And so it's interesting the contrast that Kilua is apparently on its face being told he's going to have more freedom. But it feels like he's part of a grander plan while they just let Illumi, who is mentally stuck in the game that his parents did with him, have all the freedom he fucking wants, but it might not actually matter. Right. I don't know. Is- Illumi seems kind of stable to me. I mean, it's assassins totally. go. I mean, um, like, I mean, like, he's like all independent, traveling the world. He's got his own it, house. I wonder if it's too just to. I don't know if they revealed it yet, but is Kiloa the youngest? No, uh, Kiloa has two younger siblings, one of whom you've met. He's the youngest son. Uh, that is a complicated question. Okay, so. Either way, whether he's not the youngest or the youngest, he's still significantly he's still younger compared to Lumi and what's his name? Uh, Mila. Miluki. Miluki. They're they're all about that Ukis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the so I guess it, it, it is kind of like one of those things, like favoring the young while the older have the res- burden of responsibility, even if it's like. Not if even if it's like as you pointed out, um, Lumi may have all this freedom, but he still has the burden of being the oldest, either explicitly told to him or it's just his mindset is tied to it. Versus with Kiloa, he's kind of like the spoiled younger sibling that has all this importance to the parents, um, so they kind of let him up front do whatever he wants, but. In reality, he's still being more coddled and controlled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you no, remember what? I wonder if Alumi has to drive around all the the younger siblings and have to pick them up from their <laughs> assassinations. Do you remember what Illumi said when he told Kilo he couldn't have friends at the tournament? Not, not off the top of my head. He said, "You can't have friends. You're just an assassin. That's the way me and Dad raised you." Oh. Ooh. Like, notice no mention of their mother, and also the idea that he was a stand-in parent. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh-huh. I think that's, like, a big part of the, because of the way he was raised with all this pressure on him, he sees himself as more involved in Kilua's life than either, one, he should be, or two, than, like, I think his parents intended. Oh, I feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> well, I mean, yes and no. He's also a fucking murderer. Okay, so maybe not that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of it's kind of interesting. Like it kind of reminds you of that dynamic of uh, you know, the father raising a kid and a kid and the being taught and trained by the other two, sort of like hunting. Like I know when my my uh, my uncle started going hunting. Like my grandfather taught my dad to hunt, and my dad him to hunt along with my grandfather. So it was kind of a sort of skill trade thing. I guess in that sort of aspect, maybe. I yeah. assume that when he said that, he meant more of like the, tr- like, raise you as in killing and assassination work. And it could be just one of those things where, unfortunately, it can be very common for the oldest sibling to essentially become a second parent for whatever reason. And it can come to a point where they do become more emotionally involved 
in their siblings. So it's like when it, when it feels like their siblings are acting out, it feels like it's something against them when technically they never should have had that responsibility in the first place. So yeah, exactly. That's lines. for sure. Yeah, no, that same vibe I'm getting is in that similar vein. Where it's like, you know, they they have an obligation in a way, but they really don't, I guess. Yeah, I I earnestly feel there's a lot of abuse and codependence uh, aspects to the way the family is portrayed, but the series is tends to be as non-judgmental about it as possible, which is an interesting attitude because like he's clearly writing those dynamics in there because like they happen to match that family dynamic very well, like in terms of textbook definitions, but like clearly the assassin part is a fucking monkey wrench in the whole thing because that's not a very well understood phenomena but um I, I do think it's interesting where he tries judging them individually while still commenting systematically right it anyway kinda, yeah no it, it makes it very interesting it allows like these conversations to happen whether he really intended it or not so adding some depth we're given like a lot of ca- a lot of cast viewers like some in-depth therapy stuff are in the same situation minus killing people <laughs> i'm just imagining different people who listen to our show like someone who's a parent is just like "Ooh, better lay off my firstborn kid and then another <laughs> person who's like in a family where like he's been held to like a crazy standard is like "Ooh, yikes this is getting pretty deep yep anyways i think this show uh, let us into his mental his mental state uh, yeah, I, I think I I think my own family has a much less shitty version of some of these aspects. Like, for instance, my father is a doctor, and my younger brother is a doctor. But growing up, I was supposed to be a doctor. Um, like uh. that was just expected of me, and everything I was trained for. And then I totally burnt out, and then like went a different way. And then my brother ended up becoming a doctor. <laughs> so I, I get so. the, I get the airdom skipping over someone and burning out about it aspect i don't get the murder part nor the like terrible abuse part yeah no and uh, i i guess without getting too deep i kind of feel the that aspect the illumi you know feeling like he's the surrogate parent almost but i'm not gonna mm. get into the deep dynamics of that i think it's getting too deep as it is yeah welcome to the uu therapy show <laughs> anyways <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Patrick, you want to just uh, jump into the manga, which hopefully doesn't contain as much fraud territory? All right, well, after that deep, let's go. <laughs> let's let's go into the manga differences. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Canary and Killua meet... Sorry. Canary and Killua's meeting scene is very short, and it's not really related to laying all those people out. It's more of just like a, a little flashback. Like, there's no indication whether it's... Uh, during that time, if it's afterwards, a little bit beforehand. So there's no sort of correlation where before it was like one string of events. Um, it shows the brother uh, Maluki a smoking in the dungeon. And it kind of looks like he's smoking a joint. I don't know if you, if any of you guys read it, but that totally At looked most, like a joint. It, it like, it, being as charitable as possible, it's like a hand-rolled cigarette. But like, yeah, it looks like a joint. Yeah, it'd be yeah, interesting uh, to put that as a joint, considering it's Japan. Unless they wanted to really show, like, yeah, they're criminals. <laughs> oh, they're yeah. crazy, bro. Well, I mean, I mean, they're murderers in a giant mountain fortress. I don't think it. I don't think there's like a limit on marijuana. You can kill Welcome him, Jimmy, to- and you can murder and kill, but do not smoke drugs. It's a gateway, a gateway to darker things. 
Welcome to Weed Mountain. I mean, that kind of puts into perspective when you think about, like, in Asia, the gravity for different reasons of marijuana and other drugs and offenses compared to, like, other crimes. But we, you know, have to get into that. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. Maybe maybe it might have been that sort of vein where it sort of shows them as like the lowest of the low criminal people that kill people, I guess. So it could have been. That'd be interesting if that was that dynamic. I, but, I wonder if it's even less. I wonder if it's just that, like, oh, Milky's this like teen shut in asshole. Of co- of course, he's like smoking a joint while doing computer <laughs> shit. Computer shit, more like torture shit. Oh yeah, he's he's also like a bomb builder and hacker. So like probably I that too. Awesome. Uh, so that speaking of the dungeon scene, it's a lot less than in the than in the anime. It just shows the brother torturing him with with Grandpa Zeno showing up and then Killer breaking out. So it's like a short little blurb. And then uh, Mr. Zoldick makes it clear who she sorry, Mrs. Zoldick makes it clear who she's talking to, who is Grandpa Zeno. You know when she's like, "Oh no, not that! Don't bring in a father." I didn't know who it was in the anime, but it was implied. I guess it was implied that it was maybe somebody, but on the in the the manga, it was definitely Grandpa Zeno. I think in the anime, she's thinking to herself, and Kaluto just happens to be there. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah. But, yep. Um, let's cover those ninety nine notes, Mister Joe. Let's cover it like it's nineteen ninety nine. So during the torture, uh, they flash back to Kilua escaping, stabbing Miluki. Like they show that part, like he fucking slashes at him, and then. Back to the torture, Miluki burns him with a lighter instead of the cigarette, maybe for anti-smoking reasons, which Don't is smoke. weird to replace it with another smoking device. Um, Sorry, Hannah, were you about to say something? Mm, I was just laughing. <laughs> I, I go into the mic to laugh. Um, Even though, like, so Kilua then says, even though I do the same thing next time, bro, I'm sorry. You know, basically saying the biggest sorry, not sorry of all time. (laughs) Like, just basically saying, like, yo, man, I would stab you again, but I'm sorry about it, dude. Um, So here, Kilua is described as too erratic rather than too weak. So, like, the idea of wanting to have friends is just, like, a passing desire, and that's the problem, rather than, like, wanting to have friends being about kindness. Hmm. So they then have another flashback of Kilua running out and stabbing his mom. But when he goes to stab his mom, it cuts away and just shows, like, flashes of light in Kalito's eyes while Kalito is completely silent. So this little kid just watches older brother, like, stab his mom. (laughs) How rude. Yeah. So in this version, there's a small hunting dog with Silva rather than Mike or something like that because there's a really weird scale to that scene in the manga. Like, it's very unclear what size anyone is. You're just like, wait, is Silva gigantic or... Um, so in this version, Silva's voice is a lot less intimidating. He just sounds like a dude. <laughs> like, he doesn't sound like, he is my son. Um, he, he sounds like, he's my son! Um, dude, bro. You get the idea? Yeah. Oh, so they extend the thing about the he is my son thing to that boy will return even if he goes to the ends of the earth because he'll realize there's nowhere else for him to belong because he is my son. Is it weird of Hank Hill when you said that entire sentence? <laughs> um, I don't know. That boy will return if he even... I can't do it. I just oh, end up... Dad, I don't want to like... kill pe- people or in a Texas accent. Wait, wait. That's my purse. I don't, I don't know, you. know you. I just sort of turn into fucking tree trunks from Adventure Time every time I try doing Bobby. 
<laughs> Tree Trunks best character. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I think we already discussed, uh, you know, just like themes of these two episodes. Like, how did you guys feel about them? We already discussed a little bit of this, but we can talk more. But how how did you guys like them? I, I like them a lot. I thought it was pretty good. Pretty good two episodes, giving a little bit more. It definitely gives Hunter Hunter a different feel from the start of the series. Uh, just because you get a little bit more insight on Kilo as a character, uh, as well as it, I think it also goes into like a little bit more world building about the types of families that exist. Cause I, I guess it, I, in other series, I don't really feel like the, if there is like an established like family, they don't really, they only have, like, one major character that represents them and what the family means in the context of the world. Like, are they good or are they bad? But they don't really show, like, the full family itself um, and makes them, like, an integral part of the character. So I think it makes it really an interesting show in that respect. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I I totally understand what you're talking about, the idea of family dynamic and, like, the varied members of the family. Because that's something that I've... I thought a lot about of the idea of like, I wish more things covered family dynamic as like an aspect of character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always assume that was just a Western thing of not doing that as much, but it's interesting seeing that's not done a ton in Japanese stuff either. And this is an exception rather than a rule. I just really, I really enjoyed the character building, you know, just the, or sort of the universe building and all these character build up and Killua getting an insight of his family and that dynamic. It's just really interesting. I guess kind of like watching a mini Adams family, except everyone murders people. Yeah, yeah everyone is Uncle Fester this time. Um, I yeah. think it explains a lot about Kilo's personality and his actions. Because you know, when you first, or we were first introduced to him, you just like you don't know a lot, and like it slowly reveals as he's like slowly killing people throughout the Hunter exam, like. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, you know he's an assassin, but just the extremes that his like the how his family behaves and how they talk to him and like how um the people who are employed by the family how they interact and talk. So, I yeah, kind of echoing everyone else is saying it really expands the world building, like. The, I, know, I know with the Hawk show, you know, with the demon world and everything, it seemed, like, pretty cutthroat. But it's, but it's like, it makes sense, like, in the demon world, because it's, like, filled with all these fucking demons. And then here, where it's supposed to be humans, for the most part, it's, like, you can see just how cutthroat a human world is, basically. Where everyone is, like, I don't know. It's just kind of wild. So. Yeah. For a civil, for for a world that has like all this advanced tech and um, established culture, it's pretty like disconcerting to see how casually like assassinations are taking place. Like it's like you, there's like a known assassination like mafia family. Um, also, I guess, like, even, like, the idea of, like, hunters and bounty hunters being, like, an established career that you can take versus, like, something that usually no one would announce or is only res- exist as a reality TV show. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is weird to think, comparing to our own, 
our own world. Yeah, it's kind of a, a sadness, really, that, like, you know, the entire world, you can live your life, and all suddenly some assassin just kills you, and that's it, and you can't, your family can't do shit. It's like, oh, he's dead. Sorry, he got killed by a hunter or an exam guy, you know. It kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you guys ever watched the show The Boys. No, uh, I know I heard of about it. it. Uh, basically, in the world, it's basically superheroes are like the, I guess the new A celebs, and they have all the in, these insider secrets and do the do this like I think the first episode one of these characters kills uh, somebody's uh, girlfriend, and basically he gets off scot free, and it, basically nothing happens because he's part of this group of super strong people that are A people are afraid, and B people respect because they save people, save, but um. It's really interesting. It reminds me of that dynamic. The, the world reminds me of that dynamic, and it'd be kind of funny to see, like, a perspective of somebody that's like, you know what, I'm not taking this shit from hunters anymore. And essentially, that's what the boys are about: are these guys, these boys that are tired of taking shit from these heroes that are getting away with all this stuff and basically getting away with murder, and sort of try to get vengeance. And it'd be interesting to see a world of that nature where people are hunting hunters specifically because of what they do or assassins. I think this is, like, a pretty big reflection of, like, a Japanese perception of society because, like, if you look at crime syndicates in Japan, many of them are integrated in legitimate businesses and very rarely have violent interactions with people outside of the crime syndicate world. So this idea of omnipresence of a layer of opt-in violence, and I feel that's kind of how hunters, assassins, bodyguards, and the mafia are in Hunter Hunter, where it's just like, yeah, you don't have to worry about this at all if you're just a dude, but the moment you step into that world, like, you're in that world, and, like, you volunteered to die. Is that is that how it works, or is that sort of an implied thing? Um, In Hunter Hunter or in Japan? In Hunter Hunter, of course, not Japan. Um, So in Hunter Hunter, it, it's implied. Like, basically just... Like, you'll see later, people, like, generally don't get targeted for these assassinations unless they have ties within the assassination and hunter and bodyguard world. So it's kind of like the mafia, where it's like, when you're in, you know what you're at risk for. You're fucking with the the mafia and, you know, was it Castan... Ca- what, Castanostro? Is that what it's called? Casanostra. Yeah, Casanostra. It literally just means our little thing. Yeah, so once you get into that world, so it's sort of... You're making your own bed. You're not going to, like, get get whacked because you're some random dude. Well, for the mm-hmm. most part. Wait, sorry. Cosa Nostra. Sorry, Cosa I Nostra, that up. yeah. But, sorry. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's uh, effectively opt-in. There's some exceptions to that, but that's generally kind of how things go. Um, so one thing I think is interesting is I was recently, for research for the show, reading interviews with Togashi about just like his craft and writing and the, someone asked him pretty point blank like so i see a lot of your characters have bad relations with their parents like do you have like a bad relationship with your parents and i read it and like this is something i had kind of wondered about but i wasn't sure what the shape of the answer would be but he was basically like, no nah, i have great relationship with my parents and like so why do you write that way he's like dude if you have responsible parents they're gonna stop you from going on anime adventures <laughs> And so I think it's really interesting that they get around it with Gon by having his dad not be around, be an irresponsible dirtbag. And then with Kilua, they have they get around it by his parents are involved, but they're insane. Well, not insane. They're just killers. And their way of living is not compatible with a normal life. Right. And Lirio's family is the dead. And then, and then Karapika's family is the 
uh, murdered and I taken. It's never been established whether Leorio's family is dead, but they're probably at least old enough or dead enough where they're not directly involved in his day-to-day life. And yes, Kurapika's family is the ultra-dead. The mega-dead. Yeah, mega-death, if you will. I didn't even think about Leorio. Just maybe because the fact that he's 19, I just assume, like, well, he's an, an old, a younger adult. Like, of course, he's kind of out on his own. Yeah, he's got his big boy pants on now. Yeah, but yes. he would technically be like an undergrad if he went to real college instead of the hunter exam. I don't know if you as opposed heard. to the streets. <laughs> like he, yeah, he'd be a he'd be like a second semester freshman, just getting the fifteen freshman fifteen, or like a <laughs> first semester sophomore. He's kind of got like it together. Guys, yeah, it seems like that the guy that goes to all those parties that are announced in the dorms and stuff. <laughs> like, uh, oh like I'm trying to think of whatever cheesy uh, American college movie you want to think of. Oh God! <laughs> anyway, just, just imagine it, and that's what it's like for Lirio. Oh, so we mentioned earlier about uh, Zeno's uh, shirt thing. So it's a play on a Japanese saying "Ichigo Ichi A." which means one time, one meeting, which is a Japanese four-character idiom that describes a cultural concept of treasuring the unrepeatable nature of a moment. The term reminds people, even when the same group of people get together in the same place again, a particular gathering will never be replicated, and thus each moment is always a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So his, instead of being Ichigo, Ichie, it's one time, one meeting, it's like one kill, one day, or one kill, one, one meeting type thing. So it's basically like, yes, savor each kill, because each is unique. That makes sense. Ooh, I thought you were going to say it's like, it's, like, it's, it's like wherever he goes, he's going to murder the shit out of somebody. Yeah. Those I'm are probably sure both the, true. I mean, I'm that's sure the victims int- feel special because of that. <laughs> it's, it's like the, the live, love, laugh uh, thing. <laughs> I saw a pretty good play on that of like HP Livecraft, HP Lovecraft, HP Laughcraft. That's my, that's my favorite genre. I love HP Laughcraft. <laughs> Um, so one, another thing I want to mention, the part we talked about earlier of Silva being like, because he is my son. So I finished the entire manga up to this point, including the stuff that isn't even in the anime. And I still don't know what's up with him saying that mm. it's very ambiguous. And I think we discussed some possibilities of what it could mean. Um, but I think it's up in the air as to what it really does mean. It means Tugashi forgot. I don't think it does. I think it means that he means to get to it, but that he's taking like literally twenty years. Yeah, he's like, it's like I'll get to it eventually, but for now, I got a book to read. No, he has Dragon Quest to play. Oh yeah, that that too. Um, but uh, so in Hunter Hunter ninety nine, there was this uncomfortable vibe I got that Canary's race was like tied to the like human, not human, subservient versus like uh, having your own like agency question and like I'm wondering about that and I'm wondering if that led to the decision to change your character design or like it feels like there's a whole race dynamic to it that like I could only know more about by literally talking with the animators and like the people who wrote the script for the 99 version but I I earnestly feel there's more of a question about like hey how human are you in that version and it has to do with generating the sympathy enough to talk with the others about Kilua's condition I mean, that's kind of like a whole, opening a whole bag of stuff. For just, sure. <laughs> just the fact that given the history of 
uh, of black people and slavery and especially specifically black women and stereotypes that get affiliated with it, especially when it comes to like servitude and I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I don't think, I think definitely it probably was a very conscious choice to make, to give her that specific character design, even from the start of the manga and the fact that she is in a role that is essentially a servant. Um, it is good that she does have some characterization in her more depth in the 2011 anime, which I really appreciated. So it wasn't like she's completely just a blank slate. Um, oh, yeah, I think that's true in all the versions. Like, I, I honestly think she's probably one of the best written side characters to this point. So I think, yeah, that, no, I think I that's really good. It is kind. Of, it is kind of like one of those things where, uh, why did they decide it in the first place? But it's like if they can't like, but it's I don't know. It is a complicated thing. I would say yeah. she is like a great character, and I think she does put a lot in terms of representation. And so I'm glad that she exists. And just because she kind of does have those roles, it doesn't mean that. She there's some, some subversions that add complexity to her character and her and to her story, so it's not like right, it's for sure a complete stereotype. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. If they didn't go into her connection with Kilua, especially like with the flashbacks, both in like the manga and both animes, then I feel like yeah, that would be a little more like um insensitive so yeah. a little more like um but she, the fact that they went in is like good a good touch you know so mm-hmm. it seems like she she's also making a connection with other people outside of Kiloa too so outside of her employers like with gone so i think that's a good plus too it shows a little bit of growth and independency which is good mm-hmm yeah, no, good stuff. I, um, yeah, I, I, I really like her character. I like that there's this layer to it, and I'd be very curious to ask Togashi stuff like this, um, because I do feel that between the time he wrote Yu Hakusho and when he wrote Hunter Hunter, he had maybe done some deep thinking about the way he was like portraying people, both um, in terms of race, because like there was that weird African character in the Dark Tournament where like they weren't explicitly terrible, but they were like the only black character and not cool. Um and also gender and sexuality, such as in Yuhawk Show, there was that really shitty transphobic character, and in Hunter Hunter he's a lot better about that. And so I wonder if this reflects just a general um increase in like worldliness regarding his thought on those topics. Didn't he have a character that was dressed up as Black Peter and during the Hunter exam arc? I'm still unsure whether that's it or if that was just, like, me being, like, weird. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. problematic Tagashi. I guess. No. But, no, I think uh, I think I know what you mean. It kind of seems like it's a, I guess, a him growing up. Because between, like, Yu Hakusho's beginning and Hunter's, like, beginning, it was, like, what? Um, well, like, almost uh, nine, three, four, five, six. 
like uh, seven years about, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, even like maybe getting input from his now married wife, maybe she gave him input and tips and like info as well. Maybe she was like, man, Yusuke would be a terrible dad. And he's like, you know what? He would be, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, and that that's the thing, though, is that maybe he – I'm not saying that she influenced or she's a big thing behind it. But, you know, like, you know, you're on a, like maybe you bounce ideas between your significant other or maybe a parent. Sort of like For that. Sure. Or like some yeah. friend or family member. And sort of maybe he did that maybe with her and sort of got ideas or, you know, got – you know, what do you think – how would you think if this happened or X happened from – this perspective. Yeah, I could definitely see that having happened. I mean, like the timeline is ripe for the idea of changing continuously because if I remember they didn't get married till somewhat into Hunter Hunter, like not that far, not far at all. Like, I mean, cause you, you even took the screenshot from the manga where in one of the most recent volumes, like volume four or something, they announced the marriage or whatever. Well, I mean, they must've been dating like right before when it began. So even then, yeah, it's just unclear exactly what the timeline is, but I think you're right, and I think it's a general continuous maturation rather than, like, there was one specific event or anything like that. Yeah, so, and, and you know, even bouncing off of different editors, because did he use a different editor for this or a different team? Cause uh, I feel that would be the case, because I don't, I think the people who wrote, remember when we covered Sensei Hakusho? I yeah. think that person would have mentioned working on Hunter Hunter if they had. I gotcha. Yeah, but may, and you know, it's just different perspectives, different editors. It's, I mean, what one editor might have done then maybe was like, okay, let's not do something that stupid. Let's write something decent. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Like I mean, having... I still love you, Hakusho, but like there are problems with it that don't exist here anymore. Exactly. So there might have been something either within his life, his personal life, with an editor. There's like a million different possibilities, but and maybe yeah. it's just him growing up. You know, I mean. I mean, imagine yourself seven years ago. It's probably completely different or at least vastly different from where you were now or For sure. where you're For thinking. sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, it, do you guys have anything more to say about this episode? Or thought it was garbage. Right, better to watch it, please. <laughs> wow, okay. Turns out you're garbage. But anyways, <laughs> Sarah, do you want to take out the trash? Yeah, let's go. So... Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to The Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat with us at our Facebook, at The Spirit Hunter Pod, or at our Twitter, at The Spirit Hunter Pod. If you enjoy the show and want to find a way to introduce it to other people, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, the algorithm determines our ability to be discovered, and your view helps put us over the edge. And for today's intro music, um, it was made by Soul slash Harmoyal. Um, please check them out at youtube.com slash user slash Harmoyal. And see you on the other side. Later. من تفضت يمنا في هدوء الليل من هو الصامد المغامر في وجه السيل يبعد عن عينيه الراحة يتحدى خصما في الساحة يرمي ويصيب الأهداف يسعى دوما